And for those of you who don't know, that's Elizabeth, our daughter. Uh, and when she was five and we were in church, she read most of that passage. I'm not sure she read 18 verses, but uh, that, that's still a sweet memory. So I, Elizabeth's been my favorite reader all the time anyway. But uh, to get her back when she's able to come to the service, I was like, well, I've given all my reading parts away. I said, well, here, you can have mine. So let's, uh, let's pray. Almighty God, you have given your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him and to be born this day of a pure virgin. Grant that we, who have been born again and made your children by adoption and grace, may daily be renewed by your Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you in the same Spirit be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Well, today we celebrate because hope has arrived. All Advent long, we've been uh, in, a, in a season of longing, and we've been in a season focusing on hope. We've been anticipating hope in the midst of Christ's return and judgment. We've been anticipating hope in the midst of suffering, in the midst of uncertainty, in the, in, and we've anticipated hope in a righteous king. So today we celebrate that hope has arrived in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the Christ, the promised one of old. Today's passage is a very rich, beautiful Christ hymn, which the Anglican Church reads every year at Christmas. And now there is much to be gained and we could unpack for a long time, but this is my shot again at a homily. So we will not do the passage justice. I want to focus mainly on one verse, and I could spend, I don't know, three sermons on this one verse, but we're, we're going to do a homily. So I want to focus today on God's presence, and for some of you, this will be old hat, and it'll be like, oh, here he goes again, but uh, it's a good rut to fall back to. If you've heard most of this before, you'll, it's the gospel, so we will be blessed. Um, our God is a gracious and kind God. He could have judged us and wiped us out long ago. And regardless of what you really think, we deserve it. We may, we may be better than our neighbors, but we're not better than a holy God. Our first man, the first human, Adam, he enjoyed a unique fellowship with God in the garden. Our God desires a communion or fellowship with his people. And he had that with Adam in the garden. I want you to, today, today is a good day to think of warm, lush, green, water flowing in the midst of the garden. All the needs are being met. There, there was a want for nothing. And God had this special relationship with Adam so much so that they would visit in the cool of the day, according to the scriptures. So I think that if, we, if we're thinking that he had absolutely everything, then the next part where they sin, it comes as a shock. Why would you do that? But they sin, they're expelled from the garden, and then we have to move along throughout redemptive history to a point where God says, I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And so he's gathering a people to himself to be with them. 
And he calls people out to be his very own based solely upon his mercy and grace. Nothing about them, nothing was special about them. The only thing that became special about them is that they were his. And so he calls them, brings them out of Egypt by his strong right arm, and he led them by his presence through the pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire by night. And that's how they knew where to go throughout the desert because they were following this presence of the Lord. And then ultimately he has them build a tabernacle. And then he comes to rest in the form of glory cloud in the temple so that they knew his presence would be there in the temple. As they would go, they would be closer to God than when they were outside uh, in, in the city. Exodus 40, 34 says... Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, this tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Well, then later in redemptive history, this tabernacle, this tent of meeting, which they had toted with them all along, it's replaced by a temple. And that temple is also filled with the glory cloud of the Lord. And his presence is made known to be in that temple. That Isaiah 6, 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This vision of the Lord's presence filling the temple. So throughout redemptive history, God has chosen to rest among his people by by him choosing to do that. But the people rebelled. The kingdom was divided. God used other nations to judge both Judah and Israel. And then put them into exile. So the peoples of God are scattered throughout. So it's at this point in redemptive history that Ezekiel, in, in Ezekiel 34, it says, Behold, I... I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak. So we have a promise that I, I myself, the Yahweh is saying, I'm going to come. I'm going to be the one to do it. I can't trust my shepherds anymore. I will be the one. And so we come to this amazing passage where God comes to us to rescue us from the corners of the world to bring us into himself. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. Now this Greek word, which we translate as dwelt, when this dwelt among us, would actually be rooted in the form of tabernacle. So God came and tabernacled once again among his people in the form of Jesus. Our great God has taken on our flesh and he came to us in a natural way, born of a woman, and he lies helpless in a manger. The creator of all mankind has become man in order to rescue 
man. Eugene Peterson says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Yes, that's it. He moves into the neighborhood. He comes to be us, to rescue us. But why would he do that? We can go back to last week's gospel reading, Matthew 1, 21. And it says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Israel, the Jews, being trampled by others, being oppressed, he came to set them free. But what did he set them free from? He set them free from their sins. What does he do, do for us when he comes as the, as the great shepherd of the sheep? He rescues us to save us from our sins. This is that great condescension where this great and holy God stoops down. I'll give you a Johnny Cash line. It's not really his, but he's saying that he reached way down for me. And that's, that's the, when, if you're like me and you don't know what condescension means, it's the Johnny Cash line that he reached way down for me. A great God who has no deserving right to come rescue us reaches down for us in the form of Jesus. Gregory of uh, Nazianzus said, that which is not assumed is not healed. So God's desire is to save us, both body and soul. And so God becomes what we are in order to redeem all of us, both body and soul. It was necessary for God then to take on our flesh in the form of Jesus to redeem us. This babe in the manger, as we talked about last night, was born to die. He was to die a death in our place. Jesus ascended then, when we're following God's presence, Jesus ascended to the Father's right hand, which we just heard. And in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says that God is inside of us. It says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So even now, God, by his Holy Spirit, rests among his people. And this is still shadow of what is to fully come. When there will be in the next age no need for a temple, for God will be among his people. Revelation 21, 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Our God is faithful to keep his promises. Behold your God. The king has come. The wait is over. The one in whom we place our hope has come and is coming again so that we 
might rest from our labors as we rest in him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.